Smarties, today we are having a conversation about why you shouldn't wait until the pandemic is over to start educational therapy. We talk about how the pandemic has really offered up an opportunity to some learners to really learn in a way that is effective and efficient for them and how it's challenged learners in other ways. But regardless, for all learners, the pandemic has offered an opportunity for executive functioning demands to be lowered, distractions of life to be mitigated. And there are certain things that are so much easier now as a result of virtual learning. In this episode, we go into all these things and explain why you never want to wait to start educational therapy and don't wait until the pandemic is over. If you are interested in getting started with your learner, don't hesitate to reach out to either one of our practices. My practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group, and you can sign up for a phone call on our website, www.capattherapy.com. That's K-A-P-P at therapy.com or sign up for a consult call with Steph's practice, myedtherapist.com. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 148 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're talking about when the pandemic ends. I wanted to give a little background on this. I know this episode is coming out way before the likely end of the pandemic, whatever that looks like. But because in my practice, we specialize in ADHD and executive functioning. We as a team have been discussing this and we've been having these conversations with parents in our practice. And I brought this up with you, Steph, that there's a lot of things that we're going to have to navigate when the world quote unquote reopens. All of us as adults are going to have to figure out how to reintegrate with each other and feel safe around one another again. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, virtual learning has been quite a blessing for a lot of the students that we work with. For some kids, it definitely has been. And a lot of kids, not. That's absolutely true. It's just that there's this subset of the population that was really struggling with what we will forever call in-person school. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you throw in this opportunity for virtual learning and it accessed them in a way that in-person didn't. And it removed a lot of the things that are a distraction about school, right? Like the social dynamics were completely taken away. Mm -hmm. Now, for a lot of kids who depend on social dynamics as their compensatory strategy, that was hard. But then you have kids who are less social, who this has really been beautiful for them. Yeah. And what Rachel means by their compensatory strategies, those are the kids that look around and see what everybody else is doing to figure out what they need to be doing. Right. Exactly. But there's just so many things going on. It's tapped into a different part of their skills that they've had to adapt and learn how to learn on Zoom. Mm -hmm. But when school does go back to in-person someday... Which it will. Of course. It will be a major learning curve. And we don't know what it's going to look like yet. Right. But it's very likely that for the next few years, we could have some sort of hybrid model mm-hmm. and new challenges will emerge as a result of that, especially executive functioning wise. And so this episode may be premature, but I think it's important 
that we start thinking and talking about these things as we're thinking and talking about what it will look like. Mm -hmm. You know, we're thinking about the demands that are on them right now, and they're not having to physically keep track of old stuff the way that they used to. Mm -hmm. So the need for a binder, everything is digital. So it's not like they are having the same expectations. For instance, I was working with a kid yesterday and she takes her math test on a Google form. Yeah. She's in fifth grade and they're multiple choice now. Yeah. And you don't need to show your thinking on the page when it's multiple choice. You just need to be a strategic guesser. Yeah. So we actually went through and made a living strategies document for math on multiple choice Google forms. Cool. And because it's just a different type of test. And she was really disappointed that she didn't do as well as she wanted to. Mm -hmm. And it's not for lack of understanding. It's just some test-taking strategies. If you don't know what a living strategies document is, we'll link that episode in the show notes. It's one of my favorite things that we do. But very briefly, it's a document where you're documenting the current strategies that you're implementing with the students so that they have this toolkit of all the different things that they've done with you in session that they can refer back to when you're not there. Yeah. So she was really proud of herself of all the strategies that we were talking about. And and we talked to her mom about reviewing it before the next test. So she remembers and she just had like a pep in her step about it. So there's going to have to be different strategies, you know, if some classes are going to go back to in-person and some classes aren't. And what does that look like? And there's so many unknowns talking and figuring out what the kids should start to think about expecting. Because right now, I'm not as strict about writing everything down in the same way I was prior to the pandemic. We still are at CAP Educational Therapy. (laughs) I try, but they won't do it Mm. because it's all right there for the kids. And there's no other demands on their time right now. No. So Steph and I work with like a different population of students. It's not an option for the kids in our practice because they're working on different things. Mm -hmm. And here's where like the crux of this episode really came to form in my mind. We've been having clients call and questioning whether they should start educational therapy now or wait till in-person learning resumes. And there are so many reasons you do not want to wait. 100%. Like we were saying, the demands on learners though they are different now, they are significantly reduced right now. Mm -hmm. And they're reduced in a lot of different ways. The school expectations very often, not every school, but a lot of schools are significantly lower than they are when they're in person. The expectation of what students are supposed to do, how often assessments are being given, how often students are being asked to write is very, very different than a year ago in January of 2020. Mm -hmm. The executive functioning demands, though different, are still lower than they were in person. Yep. And we'll get more into this because it's really critical that parents and teachers and the Smarty audience understand that by having those reduced expectations, you can have systems already in place and then just add one more system in when they go back in school, as opposed to doing all the things simultaneously. It's true. The other thing that I've been finding a lot in my practice is that there's a lot of room for trial 
an error Yes, in some of the systems that I've had. They're sort of exploring and how I can give them a little bit more autonomy and what sort of looks good to them or feels good. And the other really amazing thing that has come out of this is because some of the expectations have been lowered for right now, it lets us look forward a little bit more. Yes. And we have time for that. And that is going to be extremely helpful for a lot of kids that are behind so that when school goes back into session, they'll be caught up. These are such, such smart points because what you and I always like about summer yes, is that you have time to trial and error things and there's no pressure of grades. Mm -hmm. To have that happen while the school year is sort of going on, not that grades aren't a pressure. They are. Yeah. But it's different now. It's in a different way. Teachers are much more lenient. They're much more collaborative in a lot of ways. And and students can be more collaborative. It's just created some opportunities for real, genuine ed therapy intervention while we're moving some of the burdens that we're all placed with. Agreed. And I think the other thing to just mention is I think some of the metacognition has really, really taken a leap forward for some of the kids. I couldn't agree more. Talking about how to ask a teacher and figure out what you don't know or don't understand or what you need help with and being able to just email a teacher. Yeah, it's the self-advocacy piece has really increased, right? Exactly. And so I have conversations with kids about, well, what is it that you don't actually understand, do you think? And Mm -hmm. before they would just say, oh, I understand. Yeah. But now... They're very aware in a way that they weren't before. Uh-huh. And they're feeling comfortable communicating with their teachers because, you know, I remember a lot of times I would have conversations with kids. Can you talk to your teacher tomorrow? Well, no, because there's no time in class. Da, 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 da. Y and Z. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, well, can you email your teacher? No, they don't check emails. They don't respond, even if that's mm-hmm. not actually true. Mm-hmm. But now that's the communication that has to happen. Mm -hmm. So it sort of forced them. And keep in mind, now we're practicing how to write formal emails Mm -hmm. and how to write in a formal way versus informal, I'm not your friend Mm -hmm. conversation. These kinds of things are very, very important for life skills. And they're going to be critical. This is what we're talking about. There are so many skills that students are developing specifically during this time that are going to be impactful and transferable. And now is the time to sort of address what we can, which is a lot Mm -hmm. during virtual learning, in order to level them up as opposed to two years ago when a client would come into the practice and we were still trying to accomplish the same goals. We want all our clients to have a metacognitive awareness about who they are as learners. We want them advocating for themselves. We want them communicating with their teachers. We want them managing their time appropriately and being efficient and not procrastinating, all these things. And there's so much that we can do right now. It's such an opportunity, It is, which is why when parents are calling in and questioning it, here's the answer we tell them. The first is educational therapy intervention online has been incredibly successful. Mm -hmm. And I think, Steph, you and I would be the first to say we were nervous, we were skeptical, and this was likely not a direction we were going to take our businesses in before the pandemic, right? 100%. And we will both always, always offer 
virtual sessions as a part of the offerings from both CAP Educational Therapy Group and my ed therapist. It's been incredibly successful. It has allowed us to work with some of you guys really nationally. Mm -hmm. We love it when we hear from you guys in our practices. And if you didn't know that we work remotely with learners from all over the country, we work with learners from all over the country and go sign Mm -hmm. up on our websites, myedtherapist.com and capedtherapy.com. K-A-P-P. And then the other thing is when it comes to the executive functioning, the demands are significantly reduced. So I wanted to, we alluded to it earlier, but I wanted to kind of break it down a little bit more. So this is really important to understand because before the executive functioning demands increase with in-person or a hybrid model, we are able to institute some fundamental changes and systems as opposed to waiting for the world to reopen and then having to do all the things all at the same time, which is a lot for a lot Mm -hmm, of students. mm -hmm. So we wanted to go through sort of what normal in-school demands are and sort of explain how things have shifted in virtual a little more clearly. The first is systems. I love systems. (laughs) It's the first step of intervention from our practice because we focus on EF and ADHD so much. So what we're talking about, and we've done episodes on all the things here, right, Steph? Yeah. Is go back and look at the executive functioning series. We've done more than one episode on some of these topics. So we'll do our best to link them. I see Steph sitting upright and typing in right now while I'm talking. So the first is organizing time. Obviously that's something that still needs to happen virtually. Organizing yourself digitally. That means keeping the Google Drive making sense, actually labeling all the documents in Google Drive, not just opening it and just having a million documents that are unnamed. And then managing email, managing your computer. If you have documents not in Google Drive, which at this point, not a lot of our students, most of our students are using Google Drive. No one's really using Word. And if you are, please stop. (laughs) Stop using Word entirely. Your Zoom links, all of that. All those things need to be organized and appropriately accessible. And that doesn't mean through your portal. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that we always do, but is less critical now, is an organization of physical things. Mm -hmm. That's why we're saying if we can get the systems for organizing their time and organizing themselves digitally up and running, then all we have to add in when school resumes for whatever it looks like, is their system for organizing themselves physically. Yep. That is a reduced burden. They're coming in in a stronger place than if we wait. Mm-hmm. Most students don't have that many things to physically systematize right now. Yeah. So let's focus on those first two and be aware that we are going to need to add that third one in once the world reopens. Yeah. Physical things are important to know how to organize. I do think that there's going to be some future time where they might make a physical copy and then have to put it digitally and then might not be keeping things and it might just all turn digital. I mean, who knows what it's really going to look like? It's going to be different. Right. But helping them understand that things do need to get organized is the important first step. Mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for your family. I mean, I was just thinking about my client who is in fifth grade and we put in her Google calendar, the Zoom link to our sessions. I see her twice a week. You mean you don't want to text her each time what the Zoom link yeah, is? Yeah, right? <laughs> no, so her mom used to have to like sign her in and all of that. And now she just does it herself. Of course. And, you know, I made a comment to her yesterday. Look how grown up and 
middle school like you are being the fact that you know when to sign it she sat up a little bit yeah she was really super proud of herself and because we set that up she knows how to maintain now yes when I was talking I was more global yeah but that's a really good individualized example And you didn't have to wait for a hybrid model in order to teach her that. Mm -mm. And then the other sort of component of what we're talking about are the academic demands. And I want to put this in the context of there are no, at least in California, really, other activities that students are really doing. Steph, you and I both work with a lot of high-performing kids Mm -hmm. who are athletic and musical and doing a lot of the things after school. Yeah. There's none of that right now. There's some of that. Are you having some of that down there? Mm-hmm. What are kids playing tennis? Ah, there's kids playing soccer. There's some stuff going on down here. Okay. We live in different parts of the city. <laughs> it's yeah. so interesting stuff how regional that is. Because mm-hmm. we're not that far away from one another. No. At least for my clients, none of that is happening. Or maybe parents are opting out. Yeah, that could be as well. Well, it's certainly reduced than it was, right? It is reduced. Okay. 100%. All right. <laughs> so yeah, the academic demands of tests and papers and homework and classwork and writing and reading and all of the things, it doesn't look the same because it's not as fast, number one. Mm-hmm. We're not having as many things do far out as in the past, like projects. They seem mm-hmm. to have closer due dates. They seem to be less intense or have fewer parts. Mm -hmm. There's fewer papers being written. Way fewer. It's going to ramp up at some point. Mm -hmm. But that's why right now, getting the things that are due in a good systematized and functional way for each kid Mm -hmm. is going to be significant for when the demands increase. I totally agree. All right, Smarties, we're curious what you have to say about this episode. So Loop in with us. Go join us in our Facebook group, which is called the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast on Facebook. Make sure you answer all three questions so you can be automatically admitted to the group. That's the only way to get in. And have a great week. Have a great week.